The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Uh, welcome to that. So retrograde friends. I'm Stephanie Sambari. Welcome back. I'm Elizabeth Cott. Thank you guys for staying with us on this quarantine uh, journey that we're on. Elizabeth is every time we turn the camera on last week, she's guasaying and now she's just pressing a selenite wand. Like I caught it out of the corner of my eye. Uh, Shannon Aganza crystal gridded my house. I have no idea what anything means, but I just saw this selenite and was like, it wants me to hold it right now. I so literally I'm don't even following know who you the are call. Anymore. I don't even know who you are. Who, who me? I'm yeah, just this just- like kooky crystal lady, <laughs> yeah, barefoot recording a podcast. <laughs> I mean, who are you? We don't know. It's all. Yeah, no, we're evolving. It's a, it's a, it's a new journey. I won't be, per our conversation last week, I won't be holding you to any standards of self Thank that you. you previously identified as. Thank you. And I hope that you will offer me the same kindness. You got it, kid. Really Thanks, into this show today. So earlier this week, Alexis Haynes's um, podcast Recovering from Reality came out with the yep. two of us as her guest. Mm-hmm. And now it's her turn to be on our show. Who do you? That conversation feels like an interesting snapshot in the history of that so retrograde and the world mm-hmm. because literally the moment we finished this recording, this was our last in-studio Dear Media recording before everything closed down for the due to COVID. So and um, we were kind of joking about it. We're like, should we hug? Like we we didn't know. We didn't understand the gravity of the situation at all. <laughs> and when we walked out of recording, like the entire office and building itself had like fully cleared out. Yeah. And they it were was actually so eerie. It really was. Yeah. Um, but I just want to get right into this conversation. It, she's dope. And uh, if you don't know her, we're excited to introduce you to her. And if you mm-hmm. are familiar with Alexis, this is a really great combo. So we love a, a Dear Media pod network crossover from a pre-pandemic life. A different era. <laughs> reminding us of who we were and where we're going. Back when Without things mattered. <laughs> it's Alexis Haynes. Okay, so today we have an exciting guest. We did a cute little pod swap with her, and we are sitting in the Dear Media studio with fellow network friend Alexis Haynes of her show, Recovering from Reality. Hello, Alexis. Welcome. Wow, that intro was way better than mine was for you guys. Well, we're like really professional. You are. So <laughs> I don't know if you just caught that. Sit back and learn from the greats. Yeah. <laughs> we stand for that so retrograde. Okay, first of all, I stand you. <laughs> I love your podcast. And obviously, you've been Thanks. on my radar since, you know, Pretty Wild and all that fun stuff because I love a pop culture scenario. And I love how you lean into it and you have fun with kind of like, you know, the internet really loves a meme. It never goes away. They love an early aughts reference, as do I. Yes. I live under a rock slash on another planet. So what was pretty wild? Oh my God, I love you. Yeah. Right? I don't, Isn't wow. it fun? She's like a Martian. I don't Whoa. know what it was. <laughs> I didn't specifically wow. didn't look into it either. So can you tell wow. me? Okay. Um, She's like, you haven't heard of me? What the no, fuck? No, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's a weird thing because 10 years later, that meme of me still circulates BB all the what time. What's the, what's the meme? So on my show, okay, so back forward. Back forward. Yeah. Backwards. We're still in retrograde shadow. It's fine to say things like back forward. (laughs) That's the full vibe. It's pouring rain and we're all focused on coronavirus today. (laughs) Yeah. No. So I got up my own show. I manifested. You guys will love this story. Are you ready? Ready. So I grew up in a household with a mom who was like such a hippie and we grew up with basically like the real deal, the secret, right? That movie that 
everybody knows about. And um, so it is. So, yes, and so it is. And all of so that. Weird. I have, and so weird. I'm still single. Is, I have, and so it is tattooed on my finger. Well, there's some shadow work there. Yeah. Okay? Working can, on it. Yes. Good. Yeah. So we were kind of presented to Eos this like alternative version of the Kardashians. We actually know the guy. Dan Levy is you a friend do. of ours. Love yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love you, Dan. Yeah. Dan is so great. Well, oh, he's a comedian. Yeah. So that's how and you, now there you go. Now his show is indebted Yes, on NBC. indebted. With Fran. Everybody yeah. watch that show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. No, Dan deserves it. And he's, he's such great. he's such a good guy. Yeah. But yeah, we started working in the entertainment industry very, very young. And what ended up happening was my mom, my sisters, and I every morning would say we're working in the entertainment industry earning upwards of, I don't want to say the exact dollar amount, per year doing something great for this planet. And so we would say that every single day. And the chance of getting a reality show is like one in a million Mm -hmm. that you're actually going to get picked up by E. But we just believed. And literally seven months later, we signed to E! Network for that exact dollar amount. No. Whoa. <laughs> Down to the penny. And so nice. it's really interesting. But when we talk about manifestation, we have to talk about the shadow work. Mm-hmm. And so what was going on underneath all of that was my mom was spiritually bypassing. So she was using her meditation practice and yoga practice and her work. We went to a church, the Church of Religious Science, which was founded by in Ernest Holmes teachings. And so he was kind of like the original guy that talked about quantum physics and like manifesting your reality. The zaddy of the secret. He's the zaddy. (laughs) (laughs) So it's interesting because she was using this work to bypass her pain Mm -hmm. and her shadow work that she needed to deal with. And so what ended up transpiring was we got the show and it was supposed to be about this like, you know, we were supposed to bring all this work to light, right? About crystals and sound baths and all of the stuff that we've been doing for years and cold plunges and biohacking and all of the things that I grew up with Mm -hmm. kind of to light in a very like kitschy way, right? it was you and your two sisters. Sisters and my mom. And so. I need to go watch it immediately. It's. On the second day of filming, though, backstory, I grew up in a household where there was a lot of chaos. My parents divorced when I was three. My dad was an alcoholic. He later became homeless. He was physically violent towards me. There was incest going on in my home. I was being raped at five years old. That lasted for a couple of years. I was raped again in my mid-teens and just like sexually abused by babysitters. And the list goes like on and on. So by the time that I was 15, I became an opiate addict. And by the time I was 18, I was a full-blown like IV intravenous drug addict. So what was happening under the surface of all of this manifestation and all of this stuff that we were doing was I was smoking Oxycontin every single day and so much pot and drinking all day long in order to numb out from like the spiritual work that I needed to do. Wow. And this was in the process of filming the show. That was right before. And so we get the show and we're like, everything's going to be good now, right? Because what looked like this really like LA life, really, we were barely making our mortgage payments. There's periods of time where we couldn't afford toilet paper. And like I said, like my dad was homeless and he was living in our garage. <laughs> like it was bad. And so it looked like we were living this very Hollywood life. But in reality, none of that was real. Hence my show, my podcast and my book, Recovering from Reality, right? It's about right. waking up to our real life and our real selves. And so on the second day of filming, we had been out. Remember Mickey Avalon? Yes. I remember this <laughs> We'd been episode. out partying with Mickey Avalon until the wee hours of the morning. I came home, popped a Xanax, smoked a little heroin, and went to bed for like three or four hours. Your body <laughs> must be made of like some sort no, of industrial No, we can strength. definitely go through my healing process because it has not been easy. Right. I didn't – using opiates – First of all, messes up your stomach because it makes it impossible to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And then it also stops your period. So it fucks your entire hormonal endocrine <laughs> syndrome. I mean, like we can just go through the whole thing after this. But I want to explain pretty well because on the second day of filming, I was arrested. And I was arrested for my involvement with the bling ring. Mm-hmm. Did you even hear about that? Well, I saw the fiction. You saw the fiction. I saw the movie. Did that make it under your rocks? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is… <laughs> 
I just peeped my head out to watch that movie <laughs> yeah. and then I slid back uh, under. Where Emma Watson plays me. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So not at all like what was happening in real life. So we were kind of did like… Sophia oh, Coppola make that movie? Yes, yeah. she did. Did you get so, paid? Very little. Okay. Just for my life rights for a certain period of time, right? Just for my life rights. Not, no big <laughs> well, deal. Well, like, for like three years. Right. Life rights for three years or right. whatever the deal was. It wasn't the greatest deal. But at that time, I was already in rehab sober, over a year sober, and was considering bankruptcy. So that just kind of shows you where my story goes. But however, I digress. Going back to that second day of filming, I get arrested and the entire show takes a turn for the worse. I'm now an 18-year-old heroin addict fighting for my life on this case where I could go to prison for six years on national television. Fucking A. And the drug use wasn't something that was visible to the audience. Until the last couple of episodes where the production hid pills that weren't really mine in the bathroom and my mom like confronted me. Okay. Yeah. So it was very chaotic. And we were kind of like, what the fuck? Like we manifested this show. We said like with the benefit of healing the planet and like helping people wake up to this like alternative approach to life. But you know what? But here's the thing. Affirmations, positive thought, all of this stuff, it comes to fruition because all of that needed to happen for me to get to where I am exactly. today. Exactly. Like manifestation doesn't happen on your own doesn't timeline. Doesn't happen on your timeline. Or in the way that you think exactly. that it will. Exactly. Yeah. So we can pull things into our energy field quite quickly, but we don't know the way that they're always going to transpire. That's right. And so what ended up happening was I fought that case. I took a plea deal because I could not fight any longer. I literally was like, I can't go on the stand like and testify. I'm a heroin addict. Like, this is bad. Yeah. And so I took a plea deal and I went to jail. Best thing that ever happened to me. And people are always shocked when I say that, but it's true. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. Break to give love to one of our sponsors who's helping to make this show possible today. We're talking about ritual. Yes, we love. Ritual is an incredible nutrient-rich vitamin that has been obsessively researched. It is a visionary women's multivitamin and they have chosen forms that are absorbable by the body and they are tested. So it's science-backed because it's tested and it's exciting. I also really like that Ritual is designed to be gentle on an empty stomach. This for me is a big thing when I'm taking any sort of vitamin. Um, they have a delayed release, no nausea design capsule, which is designed to be gentle on an empty stomach. And it has this mint essence tab in every bottle that makes taking the vitamin a minty fresh experience. Elizabeth has coined the term minty burp society. Uh, and I feel like that's a, that's a strong label. If you know, you, if you know, know, you know, you know, rituals, clinical study of essentials for women showed an increase in vitamin D levels and omega three DHA levels. Their ingredients are traceable and transparent. They are all vegan certified, non-GMO, gluten-free, allergen-free ingredients. And if you go on their website, you can see all the sources of everything that they're using because they want you to know what you're putting in your body and why. It's awesome, guys. We're so… I appreciate the transparency. I love that it's on a subscription model. So it comes to your door once a month. You can also pause it. Also, if you're a non-methylator, their folate and their B12 are already methylated. So it's safe for you to take because 40% of women cannot methylate. And I am one of those women. So So we are grateful. If you want to try it out, satisfaction is guaranteed. You can go to ritual.com slash retrograde to start your ritual today. And that's, you'll get 10% off your first three months at ritual.com slash retrograde and uh, try it out. See how you like it. Let's take it back to the show, shall we? We shall. Hi, I'm Pia Berengini, the creative director of LPA, an entrepreneur, a wife, and a dog mom based in Los Angeles. This is my new podcast, Everything is the Best, where we basically ask interesting people, how did you go from zero to yacht? I'm always curious how the hell people became successful, and I figured you would be too. Get on the internet with me. Let's laugh, let's cry, let's overshare, and let's get inspired to live our best lives. Check out new episodes every Wednesday. It's all for you, baby. Thanks for listening. Love you, mean it. So my pop culture driven brain wants to ask you, is it true that you were in jail at the same time as Lindsay Lohan? It's true. Okay. (laughs) Yes. There's a fucking encyclopedia in here and it just like dinged. (laughs) We were both in protective custody at the same time at the Linwood Correctional Facility. 
What a time. What a time. Those early 2000s were really a (laughs) time. I remember when she was living in that building just over there. We can see it from the studio. And I lived a few blocks away. And we would hear. It was such a crazy paparazzi time. And I didn't want to put it on blast. But they don't don't know where it is. Um, The helicopters. Mm. And we would always just be like, low hand. Because it would like truly mess up. With traffic yes, and the flow everything. of the neighborhood, it was so yeah. bizarre. It was such yes. a specific, weird snapshot. Wow. Yeah. You know, I was on a reality show, too. You were. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> so we can swap fandoms. Okay. Um, no, mine was way less <laughs> dramatic. I was just on a show about aspiring female comedians in Los Angeles. Okay. So we it. all just, like, did stand-up on the show. Love it. Yeah. That's great. I didn't end up in jail. I didn't end up I did no. <laughs> I did have sex with one of the photographers for one of our photo shoots though. So that's oh. pretty cool. Salacious. Yes. yes. It was risky. Pretty... <laughs> I don't know what his name is. But... <laughs> um wait, okay. Speaking of that, I know that we have like a lot to discuss, but before we turned the mics on, you dropped a name to us that I feel is very deep in the so retrograde lore at this point uh. because I am obsessed with the book. The book in question is Getting to I Do by Dr. Pat Allen. And you know her. You did her class. You met your husband through her. Like, I need to spill. We need to go down the rabbit hole of this ASAP. So a couple of years into my sobriety, my mom, my crazy mom for the show, had this like moment where she realized that all of the chaos was her fault. (laughs) Well done. And that happened right after her third husband left her. Okay. And so she kind of hit this wall where she was like, what do I do with my life? You know, Mm -hmm. like I've got two heroin addict daughters. I was in recovery. I think Tess was maybe just newly, newly into sobriety at that time. And she was just like all of this stuff. It's like one of those moments where you have those, I hate the word bottom, but those like earth shattering moments where you're like, whoa, like this is all me. I have to deal with this. While I'm not responsible in my experience for being raped at five or for my parents, divorce or for my dad's physical violence towards me or his alcoholism, like I'm responsible for healing. Right. I have to heal. Yeah. And at the end of that, obviously it all becomes a gift because we're able to then go and help others heal. But she woke up and someone said, you should go to Dr. Pat's Thursday night, LA, like, you know, basically it's like a stand-up show. She's so funny. I don't know if she still does. This woman's like 90 years old at this point, you guys. Because if but you read my, the book, it's like, I was sharing it with one of my friends, <laughs> and she's like very forward-thinking New York yes. gay. And he was like, this is the most regressive bullshit I've ever heard. I can't even fucking have this but conversation with you. I know. That's what I said. <laughs> oh, I was like, but it fucking works. Lord, it works. Okay, so, so we'll get into that. But yeah, yeah, so she started going. And then I started going, not knowing that my future husband had been going for many years prior to us actually kindling. Whoa. And so I didn't know that he was working her magic on me and I was working her magic on him (laughs) when we first started dating. That's amazing. But that's, you know, that's how I caught him. Yeah. And he caught me and the rest is history and we've been happily married, very happily married. I mean, that's not to say we don't have challenging moments all marriages do but for eight years this april mazel but wait, tell uh, me the magic insane. that you were working in okay. vice versa so pat's whole idea is is kind of similar to what we're Please talking about and dr pat dr pat thank you you're right oh okay so <laughs> then i wanted to say that i did it her year-long course okay. on transactional analysis and basically all of her work her parent adult child work all of that stuff i did i went every single weekend wow. where i don't remember how many weekends it was a month it was several for her whole year. And now I'm like, you know, I've got my certification in her thing. Like, I can technically go teach her Wait, work. This is such like teaching any <laughs> moment right now. But, but let's get into everyone should read her book, Getting to I Do, and then the follow up book, Staying Married and Loving It, even if you're not married, because just so much knowledge. But basically, it's very retrograde y. Yeah. Um, because it's all about energy. Yeah. Right. And so her belief system is you can't have too masculine energy. G forces or too feminine in a relationship. Yeah. One has to be predominantly masculine and one has to be predominantly feminine. Now, that's not to say that there aren't times in my marriage where I step into the masculine role when my husband needs cherishing. Yeah. So it all comes down to respect and cherishing. I thought I wanted respect. 
But what I really wanted was cherishing. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't know that until I started working with Pat. Mm-hmm. And it's okay as a woman to want to be the respect in, yeah. the, in the relationship or for a man to want to be the cherish, yeah. the feminine energy. Yeah. But you have to decide who does what because I was very alpha. I was so alpha and then I would attract these alpha douchebags and yeah. we would just, you can imagine like two heads just budding, like two bulls all the time. But the dance, the beautiful dance of relationship really flourishes in an environment where you stay in your feminine. It all comes down to communication. So masculine is I think, feminine is I feel. That's right. And so I would, how did I hook my husband? Yeah. Asking for a, I, a friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, the friend is me. I stayed in my feelings. <laughs> yeah. I didn't tell him what I thought. I told him how I felt about things. And I asked him what he thought. Mm-hmm. And he told me what he thought. And he asked me how I felt about things, which wow. is all I wanted. I just wanted someone to ask me how I felt about blah, 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 blah. You know what yeah. I mean? And when we negotiate, we do that exact same thing. So Pat has this amazing worksheet where you write out how much personal time and and you do this quarterly in your relationship, how much personal time you need, what your financial stuff looks like, how much sex you need, how much friendship time do you need, how much family time together. And then you come back and you negotiate basically (laughs) me staying in my feminine and him staying in his masculine and little things like So he would be speeding down the freeway, right? And I used to say, can you slow down? Like very shaming. Like this, you're scaring me, you know, or whatever it might be. And so it's very subtle ways to change your communication for men not to go into a place of defensiveness, but instead to cherish your request, right? And so what I would say is I feel really unsafe when you drive over 84 miles an hour. What do you think about slowing down? Yeah. And it just dropped. The whole, like, I wasn't shaming him. I wasn't telling him what to do. I'm letting him, you know, and then my needs are met. And his need to remain in that masculine place, because my husband needs that. He needs that. I think especially being married to a CEO, my husband, I was actually talking to a girlfriend whose husband is way more of a CEO than even mine is. He works in the entertainment industry. And we said, it's interesting being married to these very alpha men who are CEOs. My husband, though, it's beautiful because in this work, he also tapped into his feminine side. Yeah. And he became like this ultra feminist, which was great all through Pat's work. And so I think people hear her work and go, oh, this is so divisive. We're moving past gender norms now and all of these things. But she says that. She but says she's talking about, about and It's not. It's yeah. not about gender. It's about energy. Yeah. And so the act of mothering, which I used to do to all of my boyfriends, is a masculine role. And a lot of people mistake that as a feminine nurturing. Nurturing is actually masculine. And so... There are times where my husband needs to be nurtured. He, like I said, he's a CEO. He runs a company with 100 employees, 70 patients. The weight of the world is on him. And there are times where he needs me to nurture him. And so it's a beautiful shift in energy where he becomes the one that needs to be cherished. And I don't even need the respect, but I can hold that space for him. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't even need to be said. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. But it's just you tap into that energy and you know. But back to the being married to a CEO thing, my husband's ass is being kissed (laughs) all day long by people, all day long. And so it's extra hard. It throws kind of that like extra level of intensity in the relationship because I realize that I have to go even above and beyond because people tell him all day, he's so great. He's, you know what I mean? (laughs) All of that stuff. Yeah. And so people ask like, how have you been so happily married for the last eight years in a very progressive marriage? You know, I'm bisexual. Um, My husband has always said if I needed to be in a relationship with a woman or to have that time, he's totally fine with that. We don't have, it's not like a super traditional marriage. And I haven't taken him up on that because I just haven't felt the need. But it's not like we're in some like old school, like 19... 50s marriage at all. I'm just saying that it's really worked for us. Dr. Um, Pat. Dr. Pat is 
just one in a million. I feel like dream guests. Yeah, I love her so much. Same. I don't think she'll ever come on my podcast. I've asked so many times, but <sighs> love her. Listen, you guys get her. Can I just we'll sit in? Yeah, it? you'll be here. Can I just, I just want to yeah. sit in the corner. No, awesome. you can fly on the, the wall. Yeah, we'll just double team her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she'll like it. She's into it. I will say one really funny thing. Yeah, when she's therapist, and that's the thing in workspaces, women can totally be masculine. You yeah. just have to know how to turn it off yeah. when you get home. Yeah. If that's the dynamic in your right. marriage. See, I struggle with it because, like, I'm not in a relationship. And I struggle with it in, like, the beginning of relationships. Because mm. I feel like a lot of modern men are, like, it's not even lazy. It's, like, because of the way that gender roles are shifting. I talk to my guy friends about this all the time. Because I'm, like, constantly asking questions. And, like, they like, they want a woman to, like. They think they do. I, this is what I said. But this Pat Allen say. says it's Peter Pan syndrome. They never want to grow up. This and is, that's what so it really true. is. This is factual. There's so much pressure on men. This is factual. In this crazy world, in this doggy dog world where we idealize the individualist, the man who can go out there and slay the dragon and do all the things and they're expected to do so much. Yeah. Chances are they had a mother who didn't respect them after the age of 10, which is Pat's whole thing. You need to switch all of the dialogue yeah. around age 10 in order to raise a real man, yeah. you know? Yeah. Or to harvest that masculinity, you know? Yeah. I don't know what the right terminology is there, but she would definitely be an interesting guest. There are so many Peter Pans in the world. I tell all of my girlfriends who are still dating, I certainly would not want to be a single woman in 2020. It's hard because like, here's the thing. I don't really mind being like, hey, what's up? You want, like, I don't really care about that in the beginning. Like, if you, you mean like out, initiating, initiating. I don't mind initiating because it yeah. feels natural to my personality. But then I feel like we get down the rabbit hole where it's like, you're already crippled and I'm helping you stay crippled. Like, I'm enabling, I'm enabling your lazy behavior mm-hmm. by continuing to do it. And that's where I've had to make the shift where I'm like, as much as it's easy for me, I just like kind of can't. Yeah. Because then how will you? grow strong unless it's like a communication thing and in which case maybe there's that I mean I've straight up said to men like just so you know like after our first date like I'm not pursuing you Uh which is like so intense but it's like I feel like I have to say that because it's like I yeah. know you seem like the type it's of person with Dr. who would, she would say that's <laughs> she would not say, right. No. She, everything I do, according to Dr. Pat, is, is wrong. wrong. And I know that. I will say Pat, though, I love her so much because for that entire year I was in that course, she ball busted me like nonstop. Yeah. It kind of like made me submit my yeah. alpha in order to save my marriage. Yeah. Hilarious moment, though. My husband and I were arguing about finances and I said, fine, enough. We have to go to Pat. And we went to Pat and my husband was giving all of these excuses. And you know what she did? She sat there with a straight face the whole time. And then he was done with all of his excuses and she flipped him off with the middle finger. She's 89 years old. <laughs> and she was like, do you want to stay married or do you want to stay in your bullshit? Like, so Pat can talk to men like that because she's the alpha. She's right. the one that's going to, you know, yeah. she's definitely an interesting character. I will say it's worked really well for us, though. I'm and obsessed. I love it. Yeah. So Pat's I, advice to you would be to not initiate, I to know. not swipe. Which way do you swipe, girls? Right, Save right. me. To not swipe right until he's swiped right first. Or I guess you can't know now, right? Well, it's interesting. Like, I f- Or let him send the first message. Okay, so this is my only issue with Pat yes. is that she wrote this book in a time when communication was We're much not more the simple. Same. Yes. And so it's like, okay, a guy, here's the, this is like what I just dealt with. It's like, Okay, I see someone, then I get a DM from him. Then we're DMing. Then I'm like sort of being evasive and whatever. Then it like, um, then. Why are you being evasive? Well, this is a different situation. Okay. <laughs> it's because I already knew him. Okay. But, and I was like, I don't really know if I want to go into this. Yeah. But it's like he initiated. Then we're, te- then we moved to text. I moved it to text because I was like, I'm not doing this DM thing. Then the texting like fell off. Then like, you know, it's like, then he's like, why didn't you call me? And it's like, uh, the yeah. the amount of different communication platforms that I need to keep track it's a of lot. is so fucking frustrating. So I'm Pat's like, advice is to go out in public and to smile at men. I know. <laughs> I will say the one thing that I've been able to really embody is yeah. something that was really hard for me. And I think part of like the shadow work of what you're what we've talked about is like I grew up not being able to talk about my feelings. Mm. I didn't have value placed on my feelings at all. If in fact, if I had them, it was a problem. 
So that book really gave me permission which, to be like, if I don't own my feelings, yeah. nobody will ever be able to take what care of them. What about Brene Brown Because now? they won't be able to know that they exist. You need to shift into Brene Brown. Perfect. Power of vulnerability. Shift over. Yes. yes. Right. You need to move from Pat. I'm like, Pat, what about the texts? What about the DMs? What about the, what about the Twitter messages? What I about know. the FaceTimes? Like, she's like, <laughs> none of that is mattering. No. Um, <laughs> I will also say that I followed her advice. I, well, I didn't follow her advice to the T about not sleeping uh, but I didn't with someone. But I did Obviously. wait until at least I think our sixth or seventh date to be intimate with Evan. And I think that that made a huge wow, difference. that's hard. Yeah, I mean. Not same in my relationship. It's not easy. I'm not saying that that's the right thing for everyone. I'm saying I had tried it the other way around. Mm-hmm. And like I say, like I've been dating for so long. Evan and I got married when I was 20. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm 28 now. And he was 35 and he's 40. No, he was 36 and he just turned 45. Wow. You also so, lived a lot of life pre-20. Lived so much life <laughs> and had done so much work because what ended up happening, going back to my story, is I went to jail, got out, and I could clearly see for me. How long were you there for? A summer, okay. like forty-eight days or it's camp. something. It's like camp, yeah, no big deal. <laughs> camp and, and and protective custody is brutal. <laughs> uh, you're by yourself twenty-three out of twenty-four hours a day. Oh my god! I'm such a huge advocate for ending the for-profit prison industry and for creating more humane conditions in jails. And actually, I just got a letter in the mail from for a, ma- a class action lawsuit for Linwood Correctional Facility because of some of their practices that like I could wow. you know, get all this money if you jump on board. I'm like, not not, not interested, but like bless Good all the people know. who are. <laughs> but anyway, I could clearly see like, OK, heroin's a problem. The truth is, no, sis, you're the problem. Right. Like heroin's the solution to the problem. And so I got out and I thought, oh, okay, well, I'll just drink and like smoke a little weed. No big deal. I got a job working at like a pot shop, literally like one street over. I bet we um, <laughs> Zen healing. Crazy story about Lutein that. Guys um, you probably yes. served me weed because I've been going there <laughs> from years. the beginning. Yes. At the end of my street. Yeah, Poor same. Andrew. I mean, that's a whole nother story. The owner. I mean… We don't have to get into that. But anywho, the point is uh, that lasted for about a week. And then I was back to shooting a heroin. And then I was panhandling on the streets and I had no money and I was considered in prostitution and I was basically prostituting myself for drugs. And it just got really bad really fast. And then I was arrested again December 1st, 2010 for possession of heroin. And the judge could have totally sentenced me to six years. That's what my mandatory sentence was, um, the condition of my probation, that if I violated within those three years, it was three to six years. Um, And by the grace of God, he sentenced me to treatment. And Judge Peter Espinoza, I want you to know that you saved my life. Mm. I also always talk about the fact that that was probably based on the color of my skin and my privilege. Like, there is no question in my mind that the vast majority of people of color don't receive that second um, chance, chance. which is really sad because the truth is, as someone who owns a drug treatment center, I own a rehab with my husband. This is our job. Is that 100% of our patients are traumatized children. Yeah. 99% of which, both male and female, have experienced severe childhood sexual abuse. Yeah. So it's like we're incarcerating traumatized children when it really comes down to it. Okay. We have to talk about this new partner, new-ish partner that I am insanely We got to talk about Organifi. We're talking about Organifi green juice and other juices in the powder form. They also have a golden juice and a red juice. And I have ingested all of them. And I have to say, one is... I would say one is better than the other, but they're all equally as amazing. No fucking lies. No fronting. I'm impressed as hell. The green juice is my favorite. Let me tell you why. It contains 11 superfoods for protecting your immune system and detoxifying the body. And um, it tastes really delicious, Mm -hmm. which I think is like the most important. But I want to just list off this nutrient party that's happening. So it's ashwagandha, moringa, chlorella, matcha green tea, 
turmeric, plus spirulina, mint, beets, wheatgrass, lemon, and coconut to make it like delicious. And it's like full on superfood blend of yummy. It's so good. My recommendation is to mix a scoop of it with water, put your little like arrow latte thing. So you blend it really good. Then make it like kind of a like paste, a frothy paste. A shot. Yeah. Then yeah. put ice in it. And then for me, I like to pour hemp milk over it. So it's like a creamy situation. Yeah. And all of the Organifi products are dairy-free, gluten-free, keto-friendly, soy-free, and 100% vegan. So They're so good, And you guys. order them and they deliver them to your door. It's sick as fuck. It's really so go over to- helping us out at this time because I'm not going totally. to like a juice place right now. Sorry. But I've also been um, like really slow to go to the grocery store because I'm trying to like not go outside as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And I, the thing that I run out of the most is greens. Yeah. Like vegetables. So I'm really happy to have this green juice that I can drink every day on the off days that I'm not actually eating spinach or kale or lettuce. Like I know that I'm getting something green in my diet. And that's actually been like really, really great during this time where fresh vegetables are the first thing to run out of and the most annoying thing to go pick up. They really are. So you can order any Organifi product and you'll get 15% off at Organifi.com slash retrograde. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash retrograde for 15% off any product. Organifi.com slash retrograde. All right. That's Organifi.com slash retrograde, you guys. Let's take it back to the show. Let's. Um, I want to talk about a little bit about the opioid stuff just because I grew up in a place where it was everywhere. And I've lost a number of friends to the addiction. And I didn't realize, you know, growing up, we grew up around it. Everyone was doing pills. People, my freshman year of high school, my high school was on the cover of the Journal News, which is the biggest news in Westchester County as heroin high. Because people, we had an open campus. People were leaving school, getting heroin in the Bronx, shooting heroin, and then literally coming back to school. And like people, I remember I was in a government class once and someone didn't come back because he'd OD'd in the bathroom. Like this was like around me as like a child. And so, but now, you know, that was 20 years ago. Now it's like considered a crisis when it was already a huge problem. So I would love to hear kind of like your thoughts on how we not only can deal with the crisis, but I think preventative care and preventative information at this point is probably most important. Yeah. We know so much more now, uh, even though we're still so in the dark about how to handle this. Yeah. than we did then. The war on drugs is never a war on drugs. It's a war on drug addicts. Yeah. And D.A.R.E. doesn't fucking work. Yeah. The D.A.R.E. programs are an epic failure. We need cute t-shirts, though. <laughs> cute tees. That's right. <laughs> um, great branding. Yeah, the great branding. branding. Sick. Um, <laughs> So, you know, we're in a time right now in the last decade, half a million people uh, died from drug overdose and suicidality is at all time high. Mm -hmm. And we can't avoid this conversation, even though we continue to do so as a healthcare provider. I know how epically the healthcare system in this country is failing people with substance use disorder. Yeah. I don't even refer to people who use substances or abuse substances as addicts anymore because the truth is that what we know about trauma, the way that it affects our limbic systems and our brains, the truth is that I do believe that not for a small percentage, but for a larger percentage than we even know, most people can and do fully recover and can become normal again. Mm. That's the truth. So do you think that by identifying now are there, as an addict, it's like problematic? I personally identify as a uh, recovered person. Mm-hmm. I don't see a problem with AA. AA saved my life. Alcoholics Anonymous, you're not going to get any argument from me that AA is like a lifesaver for many. I think that a lot of times... We live in a society that buries its head in the sand. I mean, the truth is that Bill Wilson got sober on Belladonna, which is a psychedelic, and then 20 years into his sobriety, started doing acid on, like, the acid trials in the 60s and 70s. So the intention— And didn't he want—that's what Jay was saying yesterday, <laughs> that he wanted uh, LSD to be a, a part of the AA a part of mandate. This, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, there's this kind of tabooed— 
you know, system that's not really talked about that needs to be because I think while plant medicine isn't for everyone, it should be something that is considered. And I'm grateful that John Hopkins is starting to um, research specifically psilocybin and the way that it can heal your neural pathways. So we're in this period of time right now we're becoming more and more awake to the way that we've been traumatized. We're talking about systemic um, racism. We're talking about the for-profit prison industries. We're talking about sexual abuse. We're talking about all of these things, mental which is illness. great mental illness. But we're not talking about what then gets created from these things. Right. And so substance use disorder is something that I argue affects everybody. Everybody knows someone that's addicted to something, whether it's working out or social media, gambling, sex, drugs, or alcohol. Everybody knows someone or is personally affected by this. Yeah. And what it comes down to is this. I would rather check out of my reality then check into it. Mm. And that's really when my sobriety took such a big shift. I was doing all this trauma work and these different modalities. And um, I kind of realized like, wow, I would rather check in and be here and be present than I would getting loaded. And so, so many people ask me like, how how do you abstain? It's like, it's not even a question. Like, I don't even desire to get loaded anymore. I would much rather be here doing this with you guys than to have a needle in my arm down the road. Um, are there moments that are really hard? I've gone through in my healing experience so many dark nights of the soul moments, so many edges, so much shadow work, so much all that. But I do believe that when you do that work, that's where real recovery, that's where we get to that point of we do recover, mm-hmm. not we're in, not we're recovering, <laughs> you know, we're right. recovered. And so there's many variations like abstinence is great, um, but are you emotionally sober? <laughs> You know, like there's what else are you so many people who are just miserable who have 20 years of sobriety. And is it really worth it to live that life? There is no question in my mind. Like when people go, why all of the, the you know, addictions? I'm like, no, it's why all the pain? Why are so many people in pain that so many people need to use? It makes sense why every 30-year-old's on Xanax, a combination of Xanax and Adderall. Makes complete sense to me. Look at the world we're living in. It is not sustainable to live like this anymore. Yeah. We can't keep doing it. You know, a lot of people are going California sober. What do you think about that? Is that like sober curious or like sober? No, it's for like, like it's sex? like you don't drink, but, but you, you like consume use cannabis, cannabis. cannabis. Use plant medicine and that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so wow, and I have not even talked about this at all on my podcast, but I, like I said, I've done so much healing. I have seven years of therapy, EMDR, neurofeedback, Reiki, all of my work with Vanessa. Yeah. <laughs> um, all of the things, right? And I've done transcranial magnetic stimulation. I've, I mean, like literally when I say I've tried it all, I've tried it all. Wow. The thing that's made the biggest impact for me right now is microdosing with psilocybin. Awesome. Very controversial, which I think is a shame because. There are perfect candidates for this. For the person who, first of all, cannot tolerate, maybe it's due to genetic mutations like you and I have, Mm -hmm. uh, antidepressant drugs. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, because, you know, those drugs, they they suck your body dry up. (laughs) Of B vitamins. Yes. So you can't tolerate them, Mm -hmm. right? And so… there are there's gifts. I think everything needs to be used with like what's your intention? So psilocybin microdosing psilocybin has no um psychedelic effect. It's just an emotional one and I literally can feel my neurotransmitters healing in my brain. Because what happens is when you've been abused the way that I was as a child, you operate from your limbic brain. And that's our, you know, our uh, reptilian brain, the first part of our brain that develops. And then our prefrontal cortex doesn't, which is the parent in the room, the responsible factor, you know, the reasoning machine. You're not able to access that because your brain has been so hijacked from chronic stress and living in a state of fight or flight. 
So what I'm finding is, you know, my breathing techniques were great. Staying present was great. Finding the boundaries that keep me safe. Awesome. All of the work I was doing was really good, but I was still always in a state of fight or flight in my limbic system. And so Mm. the psilocybin has been this beautiful gift that I've been exploring as a means of healing my brain, which I think is really cool. Reprogramming. Exactly. California sober. Um, I think that I have no problem with cannabis. Anything can be abused. So it always goes down to intention. Like, am I smoking weed to check out because life sucks? Or am I smoking weed to have a little bit of a break and fun with friends? You know what I mean? And like, how often am I using this? And is this really allowing me to become and show up as my best self? That's always my question, you know? Um, I think we're at an interesting time, especially regarding like driving and stuff like that. Like I've been so high on edibles driving down Sunset Boulevard, like so dangerous. These are things that I should, you know, that should not be happening. Um, And then again, with plant medicine, it's like I'm seeing a shaman where I'm receiving this medicine. And we talked about this when you guys came on my podcast. I have a real problem with the whitewashing of the wellness industry And we have to be really mindful of that. Like, if you're going to do ayahuasca, again, what is your intention? You know, is it for a fun trip? It's like, that's not what this medicine is used for. And it's actually running out and the Amazon is burning down. And we can't afford to just use this medicine for fun. We have to use it to up-level and to grow our consciousness. What's your psilocybin practice look like? Um, so I'm still kind of figuring that out. I'm yeah. really new to this. So I'm currently um, dosing two to three times a week. Um, and it's I send my kids off to school and I take a dose and I meditate and spend time in my backyard and maybe I go for a hike and whatever. And um, so my intention is I'm taking this long break. So I've tried this a couple of times here or there and it seems to work great. Um, And I'm really experiencing the benefits from that. And then, so I'm taking this six weeks off and my intention is to do five, five weeks of three days a week and then to stop. So it can affect your serotonin and dopamine levels. So you cannot do it every day and you can't do it for a long period of time. Uh, It's really, it sounds like throughout your whole life, you've really been dialed into like all of these different wellness practices. And what we're finding in the conversations we're having on pod and off is that psilocybin is in five years is going to be where CBD is now. Yes. And so it's really cool. Again, you're like on the tip of where things are moving and, it, and it's being used to heal trauma and addiction. And, you know, the really interesting research is showing where we were with this in the 1950s and how it was about to become available and then was basically big pharma put stop to yeah and that will probably happen i mean i don't think that they're going to i I, it's interesting i am a sober person uh or recovered person who works in this field helping people get sober every day and i wholeheartedly believe that every drug needs to be legalized now Mm, like that harm reduction is the way and that we can't afford to continue to lock up drug addicts and to criminalize this exploration. It's like we don't want to look at it. It's like you said, like, no, we don't. So many criminals, air quotes, are that way because of what they've been through. It's not like you're born bad. Yeah. You're born beautiful and innocent and then everything happens to you and then you react to to your stimulus and act out. And so it's like, okay, yeah, we can just put all these people in jail and not look at the problem of society. We're not looking at why it's happening. And that's really fucking dark and fucked up. Wait, you Mm -hmm. said something on a thing that I listened to that was like, (laughs) we at our center prioritize connection over control. Connection, not control. That's our motto. I'm obsessed with that. Yeah. I think that's so beautiful. Yeah, we really were at the forefront of this um, anti, not anti, but non-12-step model uh, of treatment where traditional treatment, just like back in the day with mental institutions, it used to be about lock them up and give them drugs and treat them as criminals. Uh, Most 
treatment centers used to be the same way, where we had these very 12-step-based punitive approach uh, behavioral mod programs that were just not serving people. And we saw this kind of opening where we were like, these people, like I said, are traumatized children. Mm -hmm. What they need is connection and love, not control. Yeah. And so what we found is where when we meet people where they're at, the transformations are are really magical. Yeah. Um, Most treatment centers have about a 12 to 20 percent success rate, which is very sad and very, very low. I know people that have been doing our, it like 30 times. Yeah, our, um, and this is our internal, obviously, uh, you know, numbers that we have over a 50% success rate. Wow. And so that says that what we're doing is in the right direction. And it's interesting. My husband's Canadian, his business partner, Jared's Canadian, and up in Vancouver, they had the worst opiate epidemic of North America. Mm. And what their solution was, was safe injection sites, <laughs> was right. harm reduction, was housing and clothing and mental health services. And so um, I think that they were kind of, they followed along with one of our greatest teachers, Dr. Gabor Mate. And they followed this whole approach that like the punitive, the talking down, the shaming, all of that stuff doesn't work. And this was before Brene Brown too. (laughs) (laughs) All the shame work. It's so interesting because it's like, right, if you're being taken care of and then you're, and then you're on heroin, there's, it just, just even you saying that my brain is immediately like, yeah, at some point you just be like, why am I doing this? Yeah. So much more like when you feel like shit and you feel like you're unworthy and you you have no ability to get out from anything and the world is telling you that you're worthless. It just makes you want to be worse to yourself. Yeah, it's interesting. I just had this dialogue on my podcast a few weeks ago. I had a very controversial guest on and um, everyone was like, she does this and this and this. And this. I yeah, love that <laughs> And my whole message is my always my message, which is that I, the Alexis, the 19-year-old twice convicted felon, Alexis, everyone looks up to me now and goes, oh my God, your story is so amazing. You're like the comeback kid. You're the phoenix rising from the, all of these things, right? And they have all of this, you know, that's their picture of me. They put me in this box. I was worthy of love, connection, and respect back then. Even then. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, as I am today, yeah. you know, like the question in my mind is, you know, of like, does this whole behavioral modification cut them off, you know, let them hit bottom? Does that work? No. The answer is no. And so, like I said, like the old Alexis was just as worthy of love and connection as the Alexis today. So I'm not advocating to give your, the loved one in your life, your 18 year old daughter or 20-year-old friend who's addicted to heroin, money. I'm not advocating for you to pay their cell phone bill. I'm not advocating for you to give them housing. Um, what I am advocating for is to have connection with them well, and to you know, love them, to offer to take them out to coffee or lunch and just listen to them. Don't give them advice. Ignore, accept them just the way they are right now because the truth is they're not using drugs to hurt you or anyone else. They're using drugs to survive. Mm-hmm. And so their chances of getting sober increase significantly when you can meet them where they're at and love them even in their darkest moments. And they just need to feel that love. They don't, you don't need to like fix them at all. You know, they're perfectly fine. Your story is so interesting and inspiring, which is a really cool combo. Thank you. We could talk forever. Yeah. Your book is called Recovering from Reality. Your show on Dear Media, same title, Recovering from Reality. Great title. (laughs) And we're so Excited to be podcast sisters with you. Thank you. Yes. That was so great. This was wonderful. Thank you for doing the show. Yep. Keep you posted on the Pat Allen booking. (laughs) (laughs) Quick pause on the convo to give love to one of our favorite partners who helped make this show possible today, Sakara, our friends. We We have always loved. We love. Big fans. We met uh, Danielle and Whitney who founded the company right around when we started our show. So crazy. It's been so incredible to watch them grow, starting from a local New York um, clean eating meal delivery service to now. They're delivering to all the states. Ooh. And they're 
full of superfoods and delicious, yummy menu items that I'm not going to lie are going to really help with the digestion. You know your body loves it. I say three days in, you're like, oh, yeah. Yep, that's right. And if you guys aren't these you guys aren't sure what we're talking about or you're just tuning in, Sakara is a nutrition company that focuses on overall wellness. Starting with what you eat, their organic ready-to-eat meals are made with powerful plant-based ingredients and they are designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get your skin glowing. All the best shit. They have a menu of chef-crafted breakfasts, lunches, and dinners. And don't forget, they have their daily wellness essentials, the supplements, herbal teas, uh, the yeah, super Yeah, I really want to shout out the Clean Boutique because our promo code works for both the meal deliveries and their clean boutique. And I just re-upped on, they have this little combo. It's the beauty water and the detox water drops. Mm -hmm. So it's like a rose water concoction and the detox water is a chlorophyll. And it's just like, I've just been really trying to focus on hydrating as much as possible while I'm home. And um, I think adding little fun things to your water makes it just like a little bit more of an exciting experience. So I ordered that combo and I'm really excited to be getting that in the mail. And I was really excited to use our promo code. And you know what? You might be in in home in pandemic mode and just being like, I have exhausted my own internal creative resources for making food. I cannot eat pasta one more night a week. So take a break. Mm -hmm. Give yourself the gift of pre-made delivery. You will not regret it. You're Delish. Your gut will balance back out and you'll be so happy, guys. Go to Sakara. that's S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash retrograde. You will enter the code retrograde at checkout and you will get 20% off your first order. Wow. Yeah. And that's, like I said, for the food or the clean boutique. So that's pretty mage. We love it so, so much. Again, that's Sakara.com slash retrograde, code retrograde. Now back to the show. You down with RNT? Yeah, you know me. Down with RNT, everybody. I don't know. Tried stuff. Nope, that's not part of the riff. <laughs> she just <laughs> Elizabeth's boyfriend just came in the room and gave her a sip of tequila, and now she doesn't know what words. Literally, are. <laughs> my first drink of the pandemic. Yeah, t- let's talk about that real quick. Yeah, because I feel like I'm having this like resurgence of just like a deep, deep, deep communion with um, wine in general. Yeah. And you know what's really fun to drink during the pandemic or just in general, but specifically now is um, alcoholic kombucha. Yeah, that would be fun. Because it feels like it's not a drink, but then after you drink it, you're like, ooh, (laughs) I had a drink. Yeah. Yeah. But there's like, feels like there's no consequence. Like you don't get a headache. You don't get a hangover. You feel like you might take a better shit later. Like, it's actually like all positives. <laughs> You're realigning your gut flora and getting tipsy. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, the whole not drinking thing. I don't know. It just like isn't appealing to me at the moment. I feel really good with my cannabis usage and sort of feel like, why mix? Yeah, fuck it. So it's it's not really like, I don't foresee it as being a forever decision just right Mm -hmm. now as I'm able to really tap in on a deeper level. It just isn't really calling my name, but I am fantasizing about hosting a dinner party, having my friends in the backyard. Mm -hmm. You're invited, obviously. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Can I sleep over since now I live so far away? Yeah, totally. Perfect. And, (laughs) um, you know, having like the most delicious tequila with a little Topo Chico topped off on it. Like I have it all fully visioned. And I, was, I hope that you know that since I'm so far away, I will be sleeping over yeah. like many times. Oh, we have, this is what the cute nook is for. The Perfect. little okay. bed thing that I had. That Now I here's a real conversational rub. Yeah. Can Carlos come? Sure. I'm going to get a pet <laughs> soon, so. You are? Yeah. <laughs> what? It's, it's like happening. I feel it what in my kind? bones. I don't know yet. You know, my dream is a tiny fluff, but Uh I want it to be sort of senior and like slow and not really peppy, which I know is like an unpopular thing. A lot of people give me grief for that, but no, I would say not over five. Right. But there's just some really cute tinies that are in need of homes that are senior. Yeah. But like a dog is considered senior when it's seven. So, well, that's over five. Yeah. But like, 
You still want them to have a little pep in their step. Right. So this is what I'm putting out into the universe. I feel truly ready. You can just go on a shelter website. I know. I've already to be done involved. it. And that's like oh, how okay. I spent the whole weekend. Oh my God. I asked you how your weekend was. I know. Was. I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember. I was like, I don't know. I'm just making free friendship bracelets and massaging my face. Which Literally, is, she's like, yeah, there are two things. I'm like, right. And you're like, like, how's your weekend? You're like, well, it was really high. <laughs> like, no, that was the whole report. <laughs> I, my rose is um, two things. I've been watching the Michael Jordan ESPN yes. documentary, The Last Dance. As have I. Uh, first of all, it's kind of funny because I definitely don't think of myself like as a sports fan, like at this point in my life necessarily. Like, I don't like follow it, what's going on. Right. But when I was younger, I was really into watching baseball and watching basketball. And like, I loved the Knicks and I loved the Yankees. And I like- You are such a sports fan. I am a sports fan. I can see that in like in your DNA. I know. Cause I was like the tomboy of my family. Like my, I was the older kid at my dad. I was like played sports. My brother was gay. Like I was the only one that my dad could like hinge his like masculine dreams on. (laughs) And I was, I was tomboyish. So like, can we say tomboy in 2020? It kind of feels like passe. You guys, you guys know, you know what I mean? Like, it feels like a weird way to like, cut to you getting on your seat. I know you're going to come for me because I know this next week. I'm like, sorry, I call myself a tomboy. (laughs) Fuck. It's really exhausting trying to have consciousness around everything. I got to (laughs) say, but, um, anyways, I am loving watching this because it's really taking me back to a time when I loved Michael Jordan and I loved sports and I, it's like this weird time capsule of like our childhood. I definitely remembered that I want to be like Mike Gatorade commercial that they played. I remember all of it. Like I remembered the full, it just brought back so many memories. And so two things, like, first of all, there was a period of time in the nineties where my family had what I like to call nineties wealth where my dad was like in like early tech. And so we got like a lot of money at one point. We went to this like very extravagant Hawaiian vacation and Michael Jordan's family was staying at the same hotel. And I like played in the pool with his kids all day. And my dad played golf with him. And it was like the biggest thing. Like I remember going back to school and being like, I met Michael Jordan's children and his wife. I obviously never met him, but like I felt so cool. and like told everybody. Brush with celebrity. Literally the Grand Wailea in Hawaii, like actively trying to get back there (laughs) ever since I was 14. (laughs) But on top of that, not even on a personal level, just on like the level of like who he was, like it's kind of crazy how how athletes are able to have like this like ownership of, of their greatness in a way that like pretty much only like rappers are the only other people in culture that kind of emulate like the exterior sense of like knowing their worth and knowing how amazing they are. But like, rappers do it in a way that's like over and they talk about it and athletes do it in a way that's just like their greatness like just is based on their performance and that's what like last night I was watching I was like fuck when when he's when he starts to say that you know he never really tried to be someone who was influential he just tried to be himself and he just he was like I just let my game speak for me and you can either be a fan of mine or not and like I just focus on like playing the game the best that I can yeah I was just like, that is like the greatest like piece of advice for everything and everyone. Like, do not worry about like the implications or the the reception of what you do. Just focus on being fucking incredible at what you do. And then you won't have to worry about kind of what it looks like. Yeah. And what everyone else's opinion of you is. I was just like, I want to be like Mike. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, ooh, I want a Gatorade right now. Yum. I know. Mm, I love a sugary beverage. It's going to do nothing for me, but feel cool. But I just like, he's the most inspiring. He's just the most. Yeah. And then I was like texting with Moses, our friend about it. And I was like, but he's not Kobe. And he's like, there would be no Kobe if there was no Mike. And it was just this whole like. Yeah. It was cool. I'm so into sports. I'm going to get back into them. ESPN documentaries, yeah. guys. Who Rose. knew? <laughs> and then my other rose is that um, I started playing solitaire with playing cards. Okay, okay. And I have to say that playing cards are… Uh, You're like, and I am crushing. A joy. I'm killing it. I'm winning all the time. Um, it's really fun to play cards. And if you have friends, you can play Remy 500 or Texas Hold'em or Blackjack. Like, there's just a lot of fun games out there, guys. Heard yeah, of it? Heard of card heard games. Of card games? <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> but it's like, now that we have this time to connect more, 
in a way like like I've seen a couple people I'm not going to lie I've I've sort of loosened up my isolation a bit and we're sitting around and it's like it just feels like a different era where you want to have those like slow kind of yeah. you know I'm a friendship bracelet designer Yeah now. I can't who would have ever thought can't wait for my 2020 Oh it's going to be so cute I'm offended that you haven't made it yet but that's fine So cute <laughs> I'm, I had to like work out the technique, like work out my style. Mm-hmm. There's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Now I have like a signature look. Oh, you do? <laughs> yeah. Let me see. see. Wait, I can't see it's it. It's like this. Okay, <gasps> oh my God, it's so sick. With like a little initial. Oh, that's cute. It has a J on it for Joey. Yeah. Okay. But it's just like a singular initial on what it. What are you going to put on mine? I was thinking of doing like an F for Falcon. Cute. That was my plan. Okay. Do we approve? Yeah, I approve. Please okay. do that. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'll no pick problem. it up when I come to the city next week. And I'll make another one for you that says live, laugh, love. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. So, so we're trying new things, feeling creative, feeling, I'm definitely feeling like light yeah. and gratitude filled for the sunshine and for, you know, technology, getting to get things done from the comfort of my home. Also, guys, before we go, let's just keep our eyes on the skies. I was able to connect with Shannon on a live last week. Aganza. Yeah, which was really cool. So good. And um, though we may have been in a pretty intense situation right now in the last month and we are heading into like more astro turbulence, she gave a very hopeful prediction based on where things are going that even though it's not going to go back to normal, the energy around everything will be like lightening up and there will be more clarity and less like intensity and fear and and like structural yeah. sort of. I'm actually really good with things not going back to the way they were. I mean, I'm I like if I never see you again in person, I I won't care. No, No, but I'm with you. But I just mean in terms of like, I know a lot of people are feeling the heaviness and the weight of things. And I want to just offer like a helpful guidance that like that energy is lifting. Amen, sister friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks to Alexis for joining us today. Share your heart and your wisdom, girl. Thank you so much. Yeah. And as we mentioned, it's a swap. So you can go listen to Steph and I just talk mm-hmm. if that's what you need more mm-hmm. of. Probably. You probably um, over at her yeah. show is the new episode this week. And yeah, things are great. Lots of fun little uh, Insta lives happening and fun Zoom listener meetups. So check us out at So Retrograde on Instagram where we're uh, posting schedules and links and we're just expanding our connection to the community via technology and we hope you and also really quickly our producer michelle had a birthday um a few days ago and just wanted to say michelle we love you so much we love having you on our team and in our crew and thanks for everything we love you okay that what a great show we will see you guys next week namaste listening friends bye Yes, that's a retrograde!